Hello, everybody. This is uh, Chris McGowan has a podcast two. I'm gonna wait for the music to come out. Uh, this is my second episode um, after quite a long break. Um, I I had big plans at the start of the new year. It was uh, January first. I had a lot of coffee. I had. Do uh, you remember those Cisco little? recorder things i may have mentioned this two months ago but it was a recorder and you could take video on it which basically we do on our phones now so i don't know why this was a big deal but you know i had one and i forgot that the reason why you don't see those anymore is there's a huge design flaw in the cisco uh brand uh video recorders it hoovers battery power like you would not believe Hoovers. So I was uh, testing a uh, TV review audio video blog thing I wanted to do. And I'm like, you know what? Let's just go ahead and, and redo the podcast. And let's get this video production services going. This is going to be a whole brand of, of junk I'm going to put out all the time. And what happened was uh, a couple months went by. And I didn't do a thing. I've been keeping notes of things I want to podcast about, but I haven't done it. So, if you're still here, uh, thank you. There might be a wanky sound effect in there because uh, I had to stop and restart. Because I thought I had a a mecho, an echo or reverb going on. Anyway, that's not what this podcast is about today. We're going to go through the list of things that I made a list for myself to talk about because it's keeping up... um, memory in my phone and I want to get these off because people have been asking me I have three listeners so they have been asking me when are you going to do another one so this would have been more timely if I had recorded this uh, two months ago but uh, as you'll see in the episode title I'm going to put in all capital letters uh, the general topic of the episode so if you find a boring there's going to be another one about something else, so relax. This one is about television. And if their chainsaw person outside starts up again, I may have to pause. But I want to talk about, well, I wrote in my notes, science fiction and fantasy TV in 2014. But really, this list is a little more expansive than just uh, those genres. And as a aspiring creative individual in the field of television. Uh, it's a little tricky. I, 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 you know, I wrote this list um, around the beginning of the year, and um, I realized, you know, let's say I wanted to be a writer on one of these shows, to sit here in March of 2015 and shit on them may not be the best career move. However, let me approach it this way. I won't, listen, writing, writing and acting is tough. Writing is even tougher. Well, that's going to get me into a fight too. Writing is tough. Okay. You have someone who's in charge of the show. There's people above them who are looking down on the show and looking at ratings. Probably not even really looking at the content of the show. 
Some are, some aren't. All right, so, so there's all that going on. Now, you're in this writer's room. You're trying to make this thing work. This guy is saying one thing. This gal is saying another thing. This person over here wants something else completely. So you're trying your best to make this script make sense. And not only are you trying to make this script make sense, but you're trying to make it sense in the grand scheme of the whole show. It is tough. So, whatever I say about the TV shows I'm about to talk about, realize that I know it is a tough job. And please don't blackball me from getting on your getting on your uh, writing team sometime down the road. Because there's always something positive, even if a show I feel doesn't work. So let me start with an easy one. In 2014, I still have been watching the TV show Defiance. Now, I don't know if you've seen this show on the Sci-Fi Channel. It is, uh, I believe it's done by Rock O'Bannon. He is a television writer. He's most, for, for me, he's responsible for Farscape. So automatically, I see his name on something. I'm like, there we go. All right. Defiance. Let's do this. Also, interesting launch. We're going to tie in the video game uh, with the TV show. I've been screaming about that for 10 years. I'm like, finally, someone is doing that. Someone is combining the new uh, version of storytelling with a slightly more traditional mode of storytelling is going to be revolutionary. We're going to see crossovers, new forms of stories. It's going to blow the top off it. Well, didn't quite come out that way. The video game I have not played, but um, every time I see clips of it, I'm like, eh, all right. It looks like a, a shooter. You're just going to blow blow things away. I'm not quite sure how much story you're getting out of the game. I'm not a player, so take that comment out of context. I have no frame of reference. But let me just say, that I, as a part-time gamer myself, I have no interest in playing the game. So that's a little disappointing. But I do see nods to the people who are playing the game in the show. So I think that's cool. That's a good first step in, in merging the two mediums. So Defiance should get a gold star for that. Great job, guys. The TV show itself, I, I've watched it since day one. And, and there's been definitely some amazing moments throughout, especially this last season. There was a character that was killed off and that you really did believe they were gone. And then this person came back. And I legitimately, through the majority of the episode, wasn't sure what was going on. And actually, the reveal was um, a surprise. So I was kind of impressed with the show. I, I don't enjoy it, and I, and I and I wish I could explain why. I feel like there's a there's a whole universe. Basically, Defiance is set in the in the near future. There's all these interesting uh, different uh, alien races that have all settled in a shambles of St. Louis. There is humans and, and ape like things and, and and really tall dudes that are all pale. There's these mysterious. I think there's at least one bad guy everyone's really afraid of, and I think there was another one this past season, which I wasn't sure if it was the same or different. And then there's uh, a really kind of a strange villain this past season. There's a lot going on. They have such a rich world. I keep waiting for them to really figure it out. I, I feel like they have all the pieces in place. But every time I watch an episode at the end, I'm like, oh, we just watched a guy get jacked off in prison for a while. I, I guess it's okay. And I'm still watching it. I, I keep tuning in because I feel like the universe they've set up is there the pieces to play with are there but when we're dealing with creepy uh there's like a sheriff or a new a sheriff in town and maybe i missed it but he was creepily 
he tapped some woman's apartment and it was watching her. I don't think everything, anything ever came of that. I think we saw that for a few episodes and it kind of went away. I don't remember that even being resolved, which I thought was really weird and interesting and it just kind of disappeared. And then uh, Tony Curran, and uh, forgive me for getting her name right now. She played H.G. Wells in Warehouse 13, and I'm a terrible nerd for not knowing her name off the top of my head. But they both play these two characters who are very not likable people, and yet they are the two most interesting people in the show, and that's why they still stick around. But boy, they need to be killed off. They're just terrible, terrible people. And, and it's a weird feeling to watch the show and feel like you should feel sympathy for them. This may not make sense if you haven't seen the show. But, but I feel like that show is a perfect example of a show where the pieces are in place, but I don't feel like it. it's really gelled. They haven't really figured out a way to really um, play with the universe they set themselves up with. Now, if we're going through 2014, right next on my list, and is no surprise to anyone, is Arrow and Flash. Now, full disclosure, I'm a Marvel guy. I'll put my flag in Marvel's uh, side of the uh, aisle any day. However, as much as I do jokes about Ben Affleck playing Batman, which I have many, um, Arrow and Flash TV shows are what makes the marvel movies work it's as simple as that uh which is why shield the tv show didn't quite work right away but i think they've gotten better that's why agent carter was so good and that's why the dc movies have yet to really feel satisfying although i did i'm one of the few people who did enjoy man of steel all that aside um those two shows arrow is obviously much darker than flash but they're both really fun they embrace the ridiculousness and they just go for it if we're talking about a golden age of television this is the golden age of superhero television and uh berlanti and guggenheim and all all those people working on those shows are furiously trying to strike the iron while it's hot and i don't blame them because i got supergirl coming out on cbs uh are they associated with gotham i don't know gotham's a whole nother thing i We'll get to Gotham. But, uh, and they have this new superhero team-up show, which is basically the Suicide Squad, but not... Anyway, I feel like I'm talking very insider, and yet I'm assuming the listeners... Well, the people that I know that listen to this podcast know exactly what I'm talking about, so I won't explain myself. Another show that uh, I watch uh, is Haven, and I have an unusual relationship with Haven as well. I think it started off really interesting. Maybe the Stephen King thing hooked me in. Uh, but that one has very good characters as well. Sure, it's a bit monster of the week, uh, but the main cast has always been interesting. And I feel like this past season, it's gotten bogged down in a, in a weird way with their plot. I, I'm not quite sure they know what they want to do with the characters anymore. And I, and I have a fear that the show is maybe wrapping up because it feel it felt like maybe they've told all the stories they want to tell. Um, so, uh, yeah. But that's a show that I feel like started out strong. And hey, who knew Edge? Edge does great on that show. Knew him from wrestling days. Anyway, I'm kind of leading up to one really big... Uh, uh, I want th- This main podcast is going to be about Ascension. But we're going we're gonna to work our way towards there. 
the librarians was a very exciting show and and if and if I haven't ruined my chances to be a professional writer, that's one show I'm gonna try somehow to make my way onto granted slight bit of criticism um whether they whether they meant to or not. Especially if you watch that first episode of the TV show. Let me rewind actually a little bit. Librarians is a TNT. I think all three movies were on TNT. I had no idea they existed. The first Librarians movie predated the return of Doctor Who. However, it feels very much like Doctor Who meets Indiana Jones. It just does. It's fun. It is fun. It's a little cheesy sometimes. And if you go in there thinking you're going to get mind-bending adventure, well, relax. It, it's it's meant to be family entertainment, much like Doctor Who. There's kind of an over-the-top villain or premise or, 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 or danger. And usually Noah Wiley is the uh, slightly uh, in-over-his-head hero. Uh, so I don't know how. I guess, I guess these movies did very well for TNT on cable because there's three, and I think they span... I think there was one in 2004, 2006, and 2008, 2009. Something along those lines in terms of years. So I don't know how they talk someone into making a TV show. Uh, clearly it makes sense. And um, from what I understand by reading the uh, blog of one of the uh, creators and writers, it seems like it was kind of a quick thing that came together. You know, th- this order came, let's put this show together. Usually they would prefer to have more time to kind of map out the season I'm not giving excuses. I enjoyed the first season of The Librarians. Uh, I think they, much like Defiance, have a lot of tools. They've set up a huge universe for themselves. And I look forward to uh, their next season, which apparently they did get picked up for another one. My only slight criticism, not criticism, but it made me pause, was in the if you've watched the show, or if you haven't and you do, if you are familiar with Doctor Who, and especially the Eleventh Doctor and his theme song, especially the Eleventh Doctor's first season or series, when uh, the fifth uh, season series, when he it was, it was Matt Smith's first series. Why do I keep saying the series series? Um, the music is almost identical. Already, we know we're dealing with. Something inspired or, or at least influenced by Doctor Who, so it was a little, it was a little uh, off-putting, uh, especially that first episode when I could clearly hear a rearrangement of the fifth, uh, the eleventh Doctor's theme as Noel Wiley ran around as the librarian. Again, that was maybe an intentional homage or a nod. Thankfully. That kind of faded away as the show probably felt a little more confident on its own. And definitely there's some interesting um, episodes as they go on. So you can feel like they're really starting to figure out who these people are and what kind of stories they want to tell. So I'm very excited for that one. And I have high hopes. And hopefully I'll be this, blo- this podcast will turn into a behind-the-scenes podcast on that show. See? Okay. Sorry, a lot of talking noises this episode. Black Mirror's uh, Christmas special. Please go see it. If you haven't, if you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, turn this podcast off, throw your phone out the goddamn window, and and go find the Black Mirror Christmas special that was just aired with John Hamm and some other dude. 
It is fantastic. If you've watched Black Mirror before watching that, you'll enjoy it even more because there's lots of nods to previous Black Mirror episodes. It's fantastic. Please go see it. We'll talk about it when I see you. Uh, Doctor Who, well, I'm a part of another podcast called The Chatter Noster Gang. And if you really want to hear me uh, talk about the last season of Doctor Who, I think my opinions are well documented on that podcast. I still remain a fan of the show. Not so much of the last season. But I've bored myself with talking about that for now. So I'll keep moving on because we're almost at the big the big reveal here. Let's let's switch gears briefly. I tried to watch Black Sails. Who out there is watching Black Sails? It, when I saw that Michael Bay was attached, I got a little nervous. I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to watch it. And I forget why I turned it off, but it just did not... I don't know. I think it was confusing. A lot of people running around shooting guns and looking mean and and it was, didn't look fun that's the main thing it didn't look fun and i think that's a, a theme i'm finding in my personal taste in tv is fun or not fun i watched atlantis for the first full season and i'm not quite sure why i feel like that is another show where they have the pieces in place but they don't quite know what they want to do like i feel like they touch on greek myth and then they kind of come out of it and of course, you know, Robert Baratheon is, is great. I don't know what the real actor's name is, but he's great. He's great. Um, Continuum. Oh, boy. Continuum. What a difficult relationship I have with that show. It's time travel. And if you know anything about me, or now you do, I will watch almost anything with time travel. So Continuum, when I first heard about it, I was like, yes, this might be the show I've been waiting for. Not quite. Uh, And it's kind of turned into quite a mess as this show has gone on. To be honest with you, I don't know what they're doing anymore, but I'm sticking with it. Not as down on it as Defiance as I am. Listen, again, it's another show that has all the pieces in there, and there's moments that I really enjoy I, I, I don't quite understand why some of the characters seem to switch sides almost in the episode. I'm sure someone could explain to me much better. Um, they do manage to hook me in with an occasional surprise or two, which I enjoy. I enjoy the two, uh, what's his name, Lucas's? What was his name? I forget his name. I enjoyed that quite a bit, actually. So I'm going to stick with it. Uh, and I think that one is might be wrapping up, too. Now I can't remember, but... Game of Thrones, come on. I don't need to talk about that. It's the best show on TV. Get with it. S.H.I.E.L.D. got a lot better, as uh, everyone keeps talking about. I always liked S.H.I.E.L.D., even when it was everyone was shitting on it. But Yeah, it's better. Watch it. Uh, okay. In the late December, there was an advertisement that I saw for a TV show. Well, it turned out to be a miniseries, I guess, called Ascension. Fantastic. Looks interesting. And the premise is, in the 1960s, unbeknownst to the American and to the world public, we launched a rocket into space with a group of people who are going to basically resettle the human race. If you hear shushing outside, that's because there is a chainsaw massacre happening to the tree and my neighbors. So, um, interesting premise. So, it's three, I think, two-hour movie-like episodes, right? It has a cyborg from uh, 
Battlestar Galactica, you know, the one that kept coming to the, uh, uh, I forget her name. She had the red dress from Battlestar. So she's in there. It gives a little bit of sci-fi network and nerddom credness. And there's other faces you'll recognize in the show, too. And then I read recently, and this is now March, that it wasn't going to be made into a series. And I'm sure the people who worked on that show worked very hard, and I'm sure they're a little disappointed. And I don't know what all factored into that decision, but let me tell you from a viewer's point of view what I think would have worked better for Ascension. If you haven't seen it, here come spoilers. So basically, the first two-hour episode is sets up the world. We are on a spaceship, and there's a secret program that launched a group of humans into space in the 1960s. So the moon landing happened. This was apparently right after it. This is going to be a new human colony, all people from the United States, I guess, off to some new planet as kind of a backup to uh, the human race. And at the time, that, that... Okay, that nugget of an idea is really intriguing, and, and we'll, we'll get to some of the other uh, science fiction influences on that particular idea. But at the time, that makes sense. This is the Cuban Missile Crisis time. This is po- you know, right around the Cold War. There's a lot of tension with Russia, nuclear powers. I mean, World War II obviously happened 20 years before. Uh, the, the arms, you know, the space race with the U.S. and Russia, you know, Sputnik and us landing on the moon, like all these things in the zeitgeist of that time makes sense. And it's interesting, especially with the uh, uh, racial and, and civil rights movements happening at that exact same time. They pick a multicultural group of people to go into this shuttle. Now, uh, I don't necessarily need to get into all of it here, but, you know. We're still working through our, our shit here on Earth in 2015. But imagine taking a time capsule of the, the, the way people acted with each other from the 1960s into space. And right there, man, that's a juicy idea. For, you forget the science fiction part of it. The, the human interaction, you know, have people been more, have they been more evolved? The, 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 the relation between people improve better than it has here on earth in that time gosh that's a juicy juicy idea so the first two hour episode we see hints of this we we see some progress and some regression there's still some uh, antiquated ideas uh, of of, of women uh, on board and yet some some more progressive ideas all very interesting stuff um and some subtle racial undertones, too, I think, even. So I'm like, wow, this is going to be really thought-provoking television. And then we kept seeing some modern-day things, which also was interesting. Like, okay, well, I guess this is a secret mission. It's kind of a conspiracy theory, and this person monitors a spaceship. All right, well, I'm on board. I'm not sure why we're seeing the guy from Party of Five. I think he's from Party of Five. Um, or whatever TV show that guy was from. But uh, we're seeing him running around and trying to deny it. Then he's in this little control room. Uh, all right, fine. I'm not concerned about that. And then we get to the end of the episode. And about an hour and a half into it, I had the thought. Now, granted, I am a Doctor Who nerd. I know more than a lot of people would watching this TV show. Although I would guess as I saw on uh, the blog io9.com. I wasn't the only one who thought this immediately. (sighs) But there's a twist. There's a twist at the end that the shuttle never left. (laughs) 
Doctor Who episode, Invasion of the Dinosaurs, has a similar twist. And I have to be honest, that was a TV show done in the 1970s, and they did it better. Because it, it, because the focus was on something different, right? Here, you took the steam out of the, all that interesting stuff. Because now we're wondering all these other questions. And then, and then listen, I'm all for throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. But already we've kind of abandoned the idea of exploring these people from the 1960s, 50 years later, generations later in this spaceship uh, on their way to a new planet. Now we're dealing with the idea of it's all fake and what does that mean? And people are trying to find out that it's fake and someone uh, is killing other people but are not really killing other people. It's people on in the uh, control room sneaking in and getting rid of people who might ruin the illusion and then a guy gets out, and then, all right, so now it's already getting a little boring, and then they introduce a a girl who has psychic powers. We already had too much. Uh, We we had a great idea. Then we kind of got nervous and put in a more safe idea. Now we're adding a psychic girl. Uh, Not only is she psychic, she's like, um, I'm sorry for the pounding, They've been building next door. Uh, not only is she psychic, she has like telekinesis powers, I think. She's able to blow off doors. She's like Neo from the Matrix. <laughs> and then, and then at the end of the third episode, so already, I mean, I stuck with it. They've already abandoned all the co- cool things about this. And then at the very end, she <laughs> has powers to zap someone to another planet, I guess. There's the. God, I don't know. I literally, I had to laugh because there's an, a guy who, who's ostensibly our hero of, of the story, and she zaps him to a foreign planet, which undercuts <laughs> the six hours that we've been watching. Because the whole idea was that we're not really traveling anywhere, but now that she has psych- uh, telekinesis powers, now he has traveled, and that's where the show ends. Because as I said, sci-fi did not pick it up. Now, I think. What happened? This is my taste as a viewer, as a eventual, hopefully, writer or actor of myself, creator of, of future stories. This is where I'm coming from, and why I don't think this worked, and why I don't think it got picked up, and why I enjoy something like The Flash or The Arrow. There's a difference between simple and complex. Now, I enjoy a complex plot. I enjoy, um, oh, what's that time travel movie? Um, Oh my god, I can't believe I can't think of it. Primer. Primer is a very complex plot. There's actually a, a whole blog that you can look up that details all the different timelines and, and what it all might all mean. I love it. I love digging in and, and, and going through it. However, the idea is very simple. What if two idiots created a time machine? What would happen? That's the simple idea and it gets very complex from there, right? Simple idea. In the 1960s, the U.S. launches a shuttle into space with a group of humans who will eventually become a new uh, subsection or, or a new branch of the human race on a different planet. Simple idea. Now let's make it complex and get into the nitty-gritty of what that all means uh, interpersonally and in community and, and relations between different people, tensions that might have existed before does it change does it regress does it progress all that great stuff simple idea complex plot i think that works 
the flash, the arrow, very simple ideas, and they get into very complex plots. The difference is Ascension took a simple idea and made it a complex idea. We have a group of people who think they're really going to a different planet, but they're really not. They're sitting in a hangar bay in this just as ridiculously large spaceship. I mean, I get it. The technology went on this existed at the time, but this thing is huge with all these different mechanisms. I mean, they might as well blast it off into space. I mean, it's very complicated technology. So, all right. So we have that layer of it. We have the layer uh, of of the people sneaking in and out and, and trying to discover the secret that they're not really flying in space. And then we had um, Neo, the Neo girl. Three very complex ideas, all trying to fight to the surface to see what sticks. And then it turns into a big mess. Then add a complicated story on top of it, all of it. I think if you're, if I were the person running that show, I would have said, all right, guys, we have three interesting ideas here. Let's pick one of these three and let's revolve the show around that. Instead, what we really got was three different pilots. We got three different types of shows, and maybe that was their idea. Maybe that maybe that, maybe that was the attempt to see what what resonated with the audience. But the problem is, we didn't clutch on to anything. And in my opinion, they had their interesting idea and didn't follow through with it. So it's unfortunate, and I really wish uh, we got to see more of that. But you know, maybe I'll write that story. I guess what I'm saying is. When it comes to storytelling, especially storytelling nowadays, when it comes to shows or movies that I'm watching or stories that I want to tell, it, it shouldn't lose the viewer or reader with too much for them to unpack. And yet, at the same time, the idea needs to evolve. Let me explain. Let's take a show like Eureka. Even though I think at the time when it would do this, it felt a little unsatisfying, I appreciated how they made an effort to completely reinvent the show. I mean, they did it at least twice, if not more times, which takes guts. I mean, they had a, uh, Eureka was a sci-fi show as well, and there was a season where something happened in time where everyone's roles in the town kind of shifted Relationships shifted, but mainly people's jobs. Someone who was in charge of the company got flipped with someone who used to be just a regular scientist. And it changed the dynamic of the show, but it didn't get reversed at the end. It just stayed that way. That was the way it was forever. Characters who died stayed dead. There was a character that came from the 1940s, I believe. Speaking of Battlestar Galactica connections, um, what's his face? the guy that started the whole problem on Battlestar. He was playing this guy, and he joins them in the present day. He never gets to go back. And what I appreciate about that is that they change the nature of the show to keep it interesting, to keep it moving, to keep it evolving. You know, I don't watch procedurals or or those sitcom shows because nothing ever changes. And I realize that in a previous generation, even you know the 90s and even even now, that's a hallmark for some shows that you tune in every week and it's just this self-contained story with these group of people. Nothing has changed from season one to season ten. It's the same thing, just a different little mini-story in between. For me, for my own enjoyment, if I've already seen that story, I don't want to see it for five years. 
you know, Breaking Bad, I will come back to again and again as a, an example of a show that had a story to tell across five years. Now, granted, that was a very special situation on a network that was very small and growing and looking for something a little more, a little different than what was already happening. And it just so happened that Vince Gilligan and his team found AMC and was able to tell this story in the way that he wanted to tell. But I, but I would argue there's a lot of shows even before that that was doing that. People laugh at me when I say I watch Burn Notice, but Burn Notice often changed the dynamic every season. Sometimes Michael, the lead character, was on the run. There's another season where he's back in with the CIA. There's another season where he's working for the bad guys. Uh, Angel does that when... For four years, he's kind of on his own. Then he works for the bad guys in his final season. So there's something renewable and interesting when a show reinvents itself. And I think if a show is caught in the same timeline or the same story, it's going to run out of gas. But at the same time, it needs to have something beyond just a story. For instance, Breaking Bad is an exception. He knew he had a story to tell across five years. However, a show like The Slap, I worry about. <laughs> I made a lot of jokes about The Slap when I saw the title, but where do you go once we get through The Slap? Right, This inciting incident of this guy hitting someone else's kid at a party sets off the story, right? But are we really going to have nine seasons talking about The Slap? Or even two seasons talking about The Slap? You know, Prison Break. Lasted. I know they originally pitched that show for two seasons. They had two years worth of stories, but that first season is is perfect. You can't you can't top that. And I don't think the show survived. I mean, I think it lasted for a few more years. But once they break out, that's kind of the end of the show. So what the hell does this even mean? Well, my point is, if you're gonna do a show that changes the narrative. You know, I think all I think successful shows change the dynamic of the show every time. Doctor Who is a quite literal example. They switch the lead actor often. Arrow, even uh, Arrow, has switched this dynamic multiple times already in its three-year run. Um, I think a show or, or piece of creative stagnates when it's the same. It also has trouble when it can't focus on a simple idea told in a complex or interesting way. Doctor Who is another example. Time Lord travels in a, in a box that goes through time and space. That's a simple idea. Then you get to play with the complex implications of that. It's not a Time Lord in a box who is really a, a, a dream of some kid living in a, in a cryogenic sleep in the middle of a galactic war against uh, an insects. That's a, that's a complex idea. Now you're trying to un- figure out that a complex idea when you should be telling a story about a guy traveling through time and space. So, I don't know if that made any sense, but I filled up a half hour. I feel successful. I have other things to talk about, including improv. Let me look at my little list here. I do want to mention, before I go, some other fantastic things. If you haven't watched any of these, and you agree with... 50 to 75% of this nonsense. Uh, Orphan Black is fantastic. Uh, so if you haven't watched that, please catch up. Norrell and Strange, which will be coming to the American shores soon, I hope. I don't think it's 
been on the BBC yet, but it's a fantastic book, and I'm excited to see what they do with the TV adaptation. Check out Librarians. Even if you don't like the first season all that much, it's they have a great, great uh, base, and it'll be even better next season. Um, I think that's all. I think that's all I want to talk about. So yes, yeah, so I'm gonna have stories about improv. I feel I should just do a Doctor Who episode because you know that's part of my life. Um, another ideas will come to me. So. That's it for Chris McGowan has a podcast too. I'm on Twitter at Magoogs, M-A-G-O-O-G-S. I have a website, but it's really just Tumblr, but it has a domain name, so it feels like it's a website. It's chrismcgowan.net because someone has the .com domain. And um, maybe I'll just do a whole episode about my dream journals. Yeah, I don't know. All right, bye.